Amen. I want to take this moment and I want to welcome all of our other campuses that are joining us. We want to welcome Spartanburg that's joining us now. We want to welcome those down at the Gwinnett campus. We want to welcome those that are at Buford. And then I want to welcome those over on the West Coast in Orange County. Come on, let's give it up for all of our campuses that are tuned in and all of those that are streaming live. We welcome you. We know that you're going to be blessed right there wherever you may be watching. And what an honor, what a privilege it is to be at home. Can I say that? Some of you saying home. Who are you? <laughs> well, I'm no guest speaker. I'm no stranger. This is family to me. This is home. My name is Javon Ruff. Many of you may know me and some may not, but um, I'm part of the family, part of the team. My wife and I, Shanna, have the privilege and opportunity of being a part of our Orange County campus out in California. And um, I am delighted to be here today to, with you um, to stand in for our amazing senior pastor, Pastor Jensen Franklin, and his wife, Sharice. Okay, I'm going to try that one more time. Our amazing senior pastor and his wife, Pastor Come on, that's right. We show honor where honor is due. We love them honor them today and thank God for them and um, I am I am um, blessed just to be here it's so awesome to be here in Gainesville Georgia like I said it's home and um, but it's even I guess you would say even greater to be a part of what God is doing through this ministry uh, a vision a, a great vision and a mission that God has placed on this body um, called Free Chapel, a local and a global calling to impact people across the nation and around the world. And we're blessed to be a part of something that's just tremendous and is continuing to grow and increase. How many of you know that? And continue to infiltrate and invade, come on, and advance the kingdom of God, you know, by way of campuses, by airways of TV, and we're delighted. And I want to just share with you just in that regards, even from our, um, our West Coast campus out in Orange County, um, God is doing great things. The campus there is thriving. It's growing. Um, we're doing three services now, and it's just awesome to see what God is doing on a weekly basis. And uh, we thank God for Pastor Ben and uh, Carissa, who's leading that campus out there. Amen. We thank God for them leading. And just this past Easter, as uh, um, we did something that was really amazing. We had all of our services combined um, on the campus of University of California, Irvine at their Bryn Center. And we did one combined service, all three of our services there. And you'll see pictures there that included with all of those that attended. There's Pastor Ben and Carissa. All those that attended, including all of our volunteers. We were right at 5,000 people that packed in that place on Easter Sunday. Sunday had Matt Redman leading worship with us and it was so great to see our church the body of Christ volunteers and leaders coming together and and just making that day an amazing day and reaching out to those that were lost and and as great as those shots were in the pictures of the audience to me all of that is great but I tell you what was the greatest um, aspect of that entire day at the end when an altar call was given and when you saw people flooding down to that altar 271 headcount people who came down to give their hearts come on to Jesus Christ coming down saying I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ and um, 
What a blessing, what a privilege it is to be a part of something that's truly seeing souls saved and lives changed. And we're blessed to be a part of it. Amen. Aren't you grateful for your church? Awesome, awesome, awesome. And um, so I want to just jump right into the Word of God for a few moments this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> And I'm going to begin reading at verse 1, Philippians chapter 3. Um, how many of you still have an actual Bible? Paperback Bible. Come on. Yes. Yeah, hold it up one more time. Let me see. Let me see. Yes. I want you to hold it up because all the rest of the people are... <laughs> the ones that held their Bibles up, their actual Bibles, they're going up first when the trumpet sound. You, you might get in if you got an iPad or a phone or something. I'm not sure. No, I'm just playing. I use both of them. I'm just playing. I know in today's technology, what a blessing that we have to have the Word on any form or format. Come on, so nobody's with excuse. You can't say, I don't have a Bible. Well, we got the screens for you. But um, I still love the paperback Bible or leatherback or whatever you want to call it. So let's get into the Word of God, and um, I'm going to share some thoughts that I believe is going to bless you this morning. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, it said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Listen at Paul. He's going to begin to list all of his credentials. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, of the, Hebrew, a tri of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, Notice this change. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. There's a change, a transition that took place. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God, from God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Verses 7 and 8, notice that Paul said three times, I want you to pick it up. He said, I have counted loss for Christ, yet indeed I also count all things loss. And then he said, I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Three times he talked about losing in that particular text, but he also talked about gaining. And so I want to talk to you this morning from this subject or this topic, 
great gains out of hard losses. Great gains out of hard losses. There's a term that is often used to describe certain uh, scriptures or texts in the Bible, uh, often taught in Bible college or even theology, and it's a term called a paradox. Paradoxes of the kingdom of God. The word paradox is defined as something seemingly absurd or self-contradicting statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well found out or well founded or true. In other words, when you first hear it or you first read it, it seemingly is absurd and this doesn't make any sense and how could this actually be? But once you really look into it and you ponder on it and you think about it and get the fullness of what it, what it is saying, then it comes across as, you know what? This is actually true. After all, it does make sense. The Word of God is filled with tons of these paradoxes. The kingdom of God, matter of fact, a kingdom mindset is filled with all types of paradoxes. Let me give you an example. In John chapter 3, listen to this in verse 30. It said, listen to what he says, I must decrease so that he can increase. Notice that. It's a paradox. It's the opposite. It doesn't, what do you mean? I decrease? Shouldn't I increase that? No, no, no. I must decrease so that I can increase. Then it says, Peter says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he will exalt you in due time. In other words, I got to come under if I want to be lifted over. Matthew chapter 5 verse 44 says it like this. Here's one for you. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. I have to pause right there. Do good to those that hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Now, that's a paradox. There is nothing in your flesh that wants to obey that scripture right there. What do you mean, bless those that curse you? No, your flesh wants to curse those that curse you. And you don't want to do good to those that hate you. You want to do bad. Hurt me and I'll hurt you back. Natural inclination. But notice in the scripture, in the kingdom of God, that's not how it works. God says, my way is to love your enemies Bless those that curse you, do good to those that hate you, and pray for those that despitefully use or persecute you. One more, Luke chapter 9 says this, for whoever desires to save his life, watch this, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my name's sake will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and loses his soul? Jesus said, if you want to gain life, if you want the real life, you want the successful life that is successful in mind, it's going to require that you lose your life. You have to lose in order to gain. Jim Elliott said this, he quoted, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. I thought about an example um, this week, um, and speaking about Orange County, I thought about this week that this past Tuesday, it was actually, uh, it was actually, my iPad, it was actually nine years to the date on Tuesday that we moved to Orange County and became part of that campus. And I was thinking about that, and I remember there was a season there in time, and um, 
that, that, you know, in a transition and you're figuring out things and stuff and things are tough. I'll never forget that it was pastor. I remember out of the blue, he called Shannon and I. He gave us this scripture, and I'll never forget this. It said, Luke, in cha Luke chapter 18, it says, it's, he said unto them, Assuredly, I say unto you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come to eternal life. In other words, what Jesus was saying, come on, that blessed us. It was a word in season to our lives. Anything you lose for me, you can expect to gain from me. In other words, I know it seems like a loss. I know it seems like you're letting go. But this is a principle that the Bible teaches us that often the way God's work, it's through hard losses sometimes that he uses to bring great gains into our lives. Understand something that, that's often hard for us to hear. No one wants to hear about losing anything. But being a follower of Christ will require that you lose some things. In order to gain what God has, you must be willing to lose oftentimes the things that you got. Listen to this. The great composer Beethoven lived much of his life in the fear of becoming deaf. He was concerned because he felt the sense of hearing was essential to creating music of lasting value. When Beethoven discovered that the thing he feared the most was coming rapidly upon him, he was almost frantic with anxiety. He consulted doctors and tried every possible remedy, but the deafness increased until at last all of his hearing was gone. Beethoven finally found the strength he needed to go on, watch this, despite his great loss. To everyone's amazement, he wrote some of the greatest music after he had become totally deaf. With all the distractions shut out, melodies flooded in on him as fast as his pen could write them down. His deafness became a great asset. In other words, it was out of that hard loss came Beethoven's greatest gain. Now, I'm not prophesying or believing anyone to declare that you got to lose your hearing this morning so that you can get a great gain. But what I am saying that when life hands you some hard losses, when you go through situations and circumstances that you lose things in life, that we do serve a God that says that I know how to turn bad endings into new beginnings. And even though if you've gone through a season of loss, even if you've gone through a season of having to let things go we serve a God of restoration we serve a God that knows how to redeem knows how to revive if he blessed you once he can bless you again if he raised you once he can raise you again if he favored you once he can favor you again you serve a God that is for you he's not intimidated by life's losses he is a God that is greater that is stronger and more powerful and if you believe Leave that this morning. Give him a shout of praise and I'll move on. Some of your greatest gains will often come out of your hardest losses. 
things that one season of my life that I thought I needed, that I thought I had to have, that I couldn't survive, you find out, find out in another season that it's good that I lost it. If I hadn't have lost that, I wouldn't have been able to step into this. If I didn't let that go, I wouldn't be able to grab a hold to that. Have you ever noticed that the same posture of your hand to release and to receive is the same? You can't let go with a closed fist. You can't receive with a closed fist. But when you open up your hand, not only is it the posture to let go, but it's also the posture to receive. Could it be that that's why Paul said, I'm forgetting some things which are behind so I can reach into some things which are before and grab hold to what is greater before me and let go of the things that are behind me. Great gains out of hard losses. It is this principle that the Apostle Paul embraced after his encounter, and it became the launching pad of his kingdom impact. His encounter resulted on Damascus Road in a revelation that brought major transformation to his life. It is here that he pens these words in Philippians chapter 3. He said, what things were gained to me, I have counted loss. I've counted all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them as rubbish that I may gain. When Paul used this word loss, watch this. When he uses the word loss, that word loss is described as, as being lost at sea. When, he, when a ship was fully laden it went in a raging storm, it says things would need to be thrown overboard if there was going to be any hope of that ship reaching the shore. They knew that they had to throw stuff overboard and get rid of some things and make the ship as light as possible so that it could get to its destination. And that word loss is the image that Paul is painting, the Greek word zamia, that means that I am having to throw some things overboard, uh, overboard in my life so I can safely get to the destination that I have been destined to. He says there's some things that I've got to get rid of. There's some things i got to let go. There's some things that I've cherished for a season, but now it's time to throw them overboard. Paul realized that I have been called to a specific destination. I've been called to a specific purpose. My life has meaning and value. And if there's anything in my life that is holding me back or keeping me back or weighing me down, it has to go overboard because I am trying to make it to the destination that God has set before me. That's what the writer said. I got to lay aside every weight and sin that do easily beset me. I got to lay aside and throw overboard anything that is trying to hold me back from getting close to my Jesus. I don't know about you, but I made a decision. I refuse to let anything hold me back from my relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning, I'm just declaring that you come to the right service. I don't know what's been on the ship of your life that has been holding you down, holding you back, oh 
suppressing and suppressing but I declare in Jesus name that this morning in this service whatever it is there's an anointing that will give you the ability to throw it overboard I believe this morning you can throw overboard depression you can throw overboard anxiety you can throw overboard come on fear you can throw overboard shame you can throw overboard guilt you can throw overboard timidity you can throw overboard inferiority come on there's some stuff that we need to throw overboard there's some things that's been lingering in our lives too long holding us back and keeping us back but today is the day to throw it overboard come on come on come on does anybody hear me preaching this morning at the 11 o'clock service there's time for some stuff to go overboard if it's been overwhelming you it's time for it to go overboard see Paul understood watch this he said he said what was an asset in one season has now become a liability in this season in one season it worked for me but in this season it's working against me but that's life seasons change and times change and we got to be willing to change because watch this oftentimes a season of separation will precede a season of elevation before you're elevated, God will often allow a season of separation to come to get the non-essentials, the things that you don't need that you thought you need. For some, oh, can I go ahead and preach right here? And sometimes it's not just things. Sometimes it's actual people. Sometimes he's got to separate you from the wrong crowd, the wrong relationships, the wrong associations. Yeah, they may have been good in one season, but in this season, listen, if they can't grow with you they can't go with you if they're still back there come on somebody everybody can't go with you sometimes you got to separate yourself and let things go it's got to go overboard three things that I want to give you through Paul's life three things quickly major losses that Paul had that brought great gain. Are you ready? Number one, he lost religion to gain relationship. Verse five and six said, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteous which is in the law, he was blameless. Watch this, Paul had religious activity, but he had no relational equity. The Bible said concerning righteousness in the law, he was blameless. He knew how to dot all the I's. He knew how to cross all the T's. He, had, he knew how to carry out all the, watch this, the external religious activities that was required of the religious law. It was all external. He knew exactly where to go and exactly where to be and when to do it and how to do it. And it was all perfect and it was all good. And let me tell you something. What I'm trying to get you to see is that understand that religious activity cannot substitute your relationship with God. In other words, religious practices serve your relationship. They are not your relationship. You can come to church and not be in relationship. You can go to youth and not be in relationship. I'm glad you come to forward, but it doesn't mean you're in relationship. You can come to divine. It doesn't mean you're in relationship. I'm not knocking all of those because 
you should come. But the point I'm getting you to want you to understand, those activities don't constitute relationship. But see, when you have relationship, it switches. Because I am in relationship, I'm not going to miss church. Because I am in relationship, I'll be there whether pastor's there or not. Because I'm relationship with Jesus and I'm committed to his house. When I'm in relationship, I'm going because that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's what I desire to do. Not because I have to. Not because someone's making me. Not to ease my conscience. Not to make me feel good because I ticked the box, box and did my religious thing. But relationship will motivate you to go deeper than an external activity. But it will motivate you to go deeper in Jesus Christ. I just don't, come on, I don't want to know about him. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want to talk with him. I want him to tell me that I am his own. That's what relationship. Christianity is about relationship. It's about knowing him. See, it is possible to know about him and not know him. Uh, have you ever gone to a good restaurant and, and you ask the waiter or waitress and you say, uh, 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 um, what's the special for today? And, and you know, there, most of them come out with a big platter and they give, show you actually an example. And it goes, today's special is we have this fish that is blah, 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 and seasoned on the top, and it has marinated for 18 days. And then we flip it for 18 more days. We put it in the oven. We slightly bake it on 125. Then we freeze it. Then we let it throw out for this, this, this. We don't decide of this, and we add parsley and lemon juice, but this, this, this. And then after that, and then our chef, he comes along, and he rubs it with a magic touch with his three fingers. Only three fingers, not four fingers. The only three fingers, because it takes his touch. And then he said, and then we bring it out on a hot skillet. Watch your hands. It's going to be hot. It's going to be the juicy, blah, blah, blah. In your mouth, but how many know what I'm talking about? They give you a dissertation, and by the time they get done, you're like, Yeah, I want, yes, I want that. That I am convinced I'm so. How many know what I'm talking about? Those waiters, you, you, you feel like you're at an auction going once, going twice, going three times. I mean, they and the soul. But I remember that happened one time, and I did that. And when I got it, it was the worst thing that I could have ever eaten. It was awful. Come on, they're laughing in Spartanburg and laughing in Gwinnett because some of them know what I'm talking about. So I got wise. You know what I did? After they do their whole spiel, I asked this question. Have you had it? And I caught one one time. They were like, well, uh, oh, oh. So you've been trained to, to, to eloquently and with great detail and with great suspense and, and great uh, eloquent speech, you know, to give in detail and to create a desire and an appetite to me for something that you never had. So you know about the dish, but you don't know the dish because you haven't tasted and seen that it's good. 
and I'm afraid sometimes if we're not careful, even in church, we can become waiter and waitress believers or even waiters and waitresses in the pulpit if we're not careful that can tell you all about Jesus, but we don't know him for ourselves. We can give you details about Jesus, but we don't have a devotion life. We can teach you about prayer, but we don't pray. We can talk about worship, but we don't worship. Come on, somebody. Being a Christian is not being able to tell people about Jesus. It's telling them about who you know. I know, I know, I know, I know. See, when you know him, you don't need a theology degree. When you know him in relationship, you don't have to have, come on, an ordination. When the blind man got healed, when Jesus touched him, he says, I don't know what y'all say about him. What I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Because I got something from relationship that religion can never give me. Is anybody in here know what it's like to be in relationship? Give Jesus a shout of praise. Oh! I may can't quote Hebrew, I may can't quote Greek, but I can tell you what he done for my life because I've had an encounter. I've had, uh, come on, he, he moved in my heart. He moved in my spirit. He's changed and transformed me. You got to understand, relationship is not knowing about him, but it's actually knowing him. You have to know in verse 8, I love this. It says, he said, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, watch this, my Lord. Notice Paul said, my Lord. In other words, you have to know him for yourself. Uh-huh. I want to I, I tell all of our teenagers and young adults in this service and at all of our campuses, you have to know him for yourself. You can't, come on, you can't clutch, slide in on mom's coattail and dad's coattail. It'll get you so far, but you have to learn to know him for yourself. You have to have your own relationship with Jesus Christ yourself. It's not your youth pastor's job. It's not, come on, no, it's not your pastor. There's things that you got to get when you leave church. There's things that you got to get when you leave youth group and young adults. It comes when you get along with Jesus yourself. See, in the world, see, in the cell phone world, we have the, the ability to enjoy family plans. You know what I'm talking about? We got a family data plan and we got family plans because there's one price that's been paid that the whole family gets the benefit from. And we share data and we share minutes and we share. But see, no, 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 no. When it comes to the body of Christ, yes, there was one price that was paid on the cross. But that one price that was paid must be individually encountered so that you can experience the benefits for yourself. Oh, come on, somebody. Are you hearing me preach today? It's not a family deal. It's not a package deal. You got to enter into a relationship and let him start downloading some data in your heart. You got to have some minutes with him yourself. He said, it's not knowing about him, but it's to know him. Somebody shout, you got to know him. You got to know him. You got to know him. Number two. The first thing, he lost religion and he gained relationship. Number two, he lost image and he gained identity. Paul had an impressive upbringing. 
awesome background, pedigree, family. Belonged to the tribe of Benjamin, the scripture said. Had a great heritage amongst the Jews, which, is, which was esteemed highly. It is often says that, you know, from the tribe of Benjamin, that's where Israel's first king came, which was King Saul. Some historians even say that Saul turned Paul was actually named after him. In other words, he had this huge pedigree. He had this huge image. And there was an image that Paul was, Saul was striving to live up to prior to his encounter with Christ. He was known as the persecutor. He was known as the Christian killer. He was known Saul. Saul is kicking tail and taking names. Saul is anybody dare not try to build the church or Saul would take care of them. He was known among, among the religious sector. He held status. He held pedigree. He held position. And so all of his life, he lived up to that image of what people expected of him and what people thought about him. In my mind, I could see him head up high, chin in the air, shoulders square with a little sway. Because he knew what everybody thought about him. And so he lived life under this image till he had an encounter. <laughs> listen what the scripture said. Listen, listen to what it says. I love this. In Galatians, it says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation. Listen, he's telling you, he was bragging about it. Being more exceedingly jealous for the traditions of my fathers. Notice, he just told you why he was doing it. I was doing it to hold up the tradition. I was doing it to keep the image going. Oh, but look what happened. Somebody say, but. But God. But, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Do you hear what Paul said? He said, when I had an encounter with Christ, for years I had lived up to the traditions and the image of my father. But when I encountered Christ, I went from an image to step it into an identity because what this scripture showed us is who Paul really was. Notice it said from birth, God had called him. From birth, he already had a purpose. From birth, he was already destined. But look how life can begin to label you, put things on you, have you living for images that are not you. But when you have a real encounter with Jesus Christ, it takes you from living a life trying to pursue an image, but to living a life out of identity. And look what happened. The Bible said that God sent a man named Ananias, and he he said, I need you to go lay hands on Ananias because, see, God is not only going to do it public, uh, privately, but he's also going to do it publicly because he said, Ananias, I need you to go lay hands on Saul because I've called him, I've chosen him, I've elected him. And Ananias said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Who? You mean Saul? So Saul, Saul? Lay hands on him? The one that used to try to kill us and take us out? No, I can't do that. Not that joker. He's jacked up. Do you know what he tried to do? Let me pause and take a minute. Be careful 
who, we, who, who we're so quick to throw away because of some issues and struggles. Be careful that we don't judge too quickly and judge too fast and throw people away too soon. Oh, you don't want to hear that? Be careful how, how, how we discredit and write off people before time because the same man that, that Ananias didn't want to have nothing to do with, the Bible said that when he laid hands on him, the scales came off of his eyes. And God says, I know what he did. But, oh God, but what he did is not really who he is. What he did was because of his image. But he's a preacher by identity. And I don't call you for based upon what you've done, but I call you based upon who I created you to be. Because the world, oh my God, the world said he's a persecutor, but God said he's a preacher. The world said he's an assassin, but God said he's an apostle. The world said he's a murderer, but God said he's a messenger. I don't know what the enemy has tried to label people in this room based upon your past based upon your mistakes and based upon your mess us but all I know this morning is that when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ uh, he removes every label off of your life and he begins to show you who you really are you are not your mistake you are not your mess up you are not your past come on you are not what everybody says you are you are who God says you are you don't know what I did. You don't know what I went through. You don't know how I was mistreated. You don't know how I was abused. I, I don't know that. But what I do know is that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Don't believe that. The Bible doesn't teach that. I can be free indeed. I feel something stirring in my heart right now. I feel the, come on, I feel my help right now. I feel the Holy Spirit snatching labels off of people right now. I feel the Holy Spirit clearing the scene in people's minds. The enemy's been lying to you. The enemy's been trying to discredit you. You're not a failure. You're not washed up. God's going to bring great gain out of your hard loss. Give God a praise and I'll keep going. See, that's what, that's what happened to my own life. When I finally began to understand who I was, see, when you begin to understand who you are, you also begin to understand who you're not. Uh-huh. You understand who you're not. And when you begin to understand what you're called to do, you understand what you're not called to do. Amen? Because, see, here's a problem. Too many times we try to change people's activity without helping them understand identity. Oh. You heard clean fish before you catch them? See, you can deal with activity all day long. But if they don't change their identity, see, the reason why they have the activity is because what they believe is their identity. And they're acting out the lie that they believe in their mind. So if I think I'm nothing but abuse, 
then I'm going to act out abuse. If I think that I'm washed up and broken and no good and thrown away, if I think that all of these labels and lies of the enemy is who I am, then those are the actions you'll do. But when you understand identity, your identity will begin to shift your activity. So we got to start not just dealing with people's activity, but lead them to the cross. Lead them to Jesus. Lead them to the one who have called them and destined them. And when your identity change, your activity will change. And give you one more point let me give an example I shared this I'm gonna give you a per give you a live practicality because I want you to remember it every time you step in this auditorium see before we got these LED screens we had projector screens yeah some of you say what is that I don't even know the difference there's a huge difference <laughs> but the LED screens had a projector that would project an image up on the screens. The screens were white. They were barren. They were naked. They were blank. And only, the only time they would have an image or they would project the image is when an image would be placed on it. And whatever was placed on it, it became. And it had no control over it because it didn't have an image of its own or an identity of its own. So whatever was put on it, it became. But see, now we have LED screens. LED, light emitting diode. But let me tell you something about an LED screen. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to write it. I'm going I'm to read this definition to you right here. Because what, what is, where, there it is. LED. LED screens are made up of panels, watch this, that emit light. So you could say that its capabilities lie within the screen did you catch that see the projecting screens watch this it only showed you what was projected on it in other words the image came on it from another source but the led the image that it gives comes from the light or the source within because see, right now, I could, put, I, I, could, I could aim an image on top of that screen, but watch this. It's not going to change what it is by putting something on the outside because what's on the inside is greater than what's being put on the outside. What I'm trying to get you to see is that we're not called to be projection string Christians. That we sit here with a blank barren life and that everything people project on us and put on us and say about us, opinions about us and do to us, we become that. Absolutely not. Because we have a light from within. His name is Jesus Christ. The life of all men who's emitting through us an image that is greater than anything that hell can put on us. I don't know who, I don't know if I'm in the right church, but aren't you glad that you don't have to live a life that everybody tries to put things on you? Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. My, my identity comes from him. Last but not least, lost religion.
for relationship, identity for image. And the last thing is he lost confidence in the flesh so that he can gain power in the spirit. In 2 Corinthians, Paul penned these words. He said, I come not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come, they're going to put it up with demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. It said, so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. There it is. Notice these words. Paul said, when I came to you, I came with fear and trembling and, and humbleness. And he said, I knew nothing but Christ only. Notice that. When we read our text, he knew everything. But after that encounter, he knew nothing. Because he says, I'm not going to rely on all the intellectualism and the philosophical and the educated and all that's good. But I can't rely on that. He said, I know everything. But then he said, I know nothing. After he had an encounter with Christ, he said nothing but Christ crucified. And he said, I understand that the only way that I'm going to be effective in anything that I do is I need the power of the Spirit of God. He said, if I don't, watch this, people's faith will be in the wisdom of man and not the power of God. Listen, we, ought to, we, we should educate ourselves. We should, we should get knowledge and gain knowledge and go to school and, 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 and graduate and do all of those things. I am not by no means against education. You should get educated. You should do well in school. But understand that it doesn't stop there. I like what T.F. Tenney says. He says, then you need baptized brains. In other words, you get all those brains and now it's time to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. It's time to realize that all of that is good, but life will hand you some stuff that your strength and ability will not get you through. Life will hand you some things that your expertise cannot handle. I'm not, I'm talking to everybody. I don't care if you're an average person or whatever the case may be, this person, that person, young or old, we all need the power of the Spirit. Spirit of God operating in our life that we can live the life that Christ has called us to live. You see, the cross, and I'm ending as they come to the music. I'm ending. The cross, that's why Jesus said, It is expedient that I must go so that the comforter can come. Jesus himself attributed to everything he did on earth. To the, to, the, to the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost who went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Jesus himself stood up in the book of Luke and quoted Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to preach. He's anointed me to set the captives free. He's anointed me to open the prison doors to them that are bound. He's anointed me to recover the sight to the blind and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He said everything that I do or did on this earth I attribute it to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and he comes to the disciples and he says it's expedient that I must go it's to your advantage that I must go in essence he was saying it's gonna look like a loss a hard loss in the beginning <laughs> it's gonna be tough matter of fact when you look at the cross the cross looked like a hard loss but out of that hard loss 
temporary, temporarily. There's going to come a permanent blessing, a great king called the Holy Spirit. In other words, he said, if there's no departure, there can't be any deposit. If I don't transition, we can't make this transaction. And for a moment, it's going to look like a loss. For some of you, you're going to go back to fishing. For a couple of you, you're going to walk along the road and talk about how you thought it was you were the one and he was the one and what happened. Oh, my God, we believed in vain. It didn't turn out how we thought it was going to be. It's going to, it's going to seem like a hard loss, and some of you will doubt and even go back. He said, but out of what seemingly is your hardest loss, it's going to come the greatest gain of the power of the Spirit of God that will come upon your life and in your life to lead you, to guide you, and to direct you. <laughs> See, the worst thing that hell ever did was let Jesus get to that cross. Because the Bible said, had they known the worst thing hell did was let Jesus begin to bleed. My God. The moment he began to bleed, the moment he became the Lamb of God, the moment he began to be tortured, he was losing blood. He was losing, oh, come on, peace. He was losing comfort. He was losing strength. He was losing health. He was losing his hair. He was losing, losing, losing. But out of every loss from that blood-beaten body came the greatest gain because what he lost, we were able to gain we have gained salvation we have gained redemption we have gained freedom we have gained peace we have gained joy we have gained comfort we have gained provision we have gained covenant we have come on somebody we have great gains through the gloss of the cross only by the blood of the Lamb stand to your feet all over this building What seemed like was the worst loss in Christianity was the greatest gain. But the principle said you got to lose some things in order to gain some things. And sometimes your greatest gain is only going to come when you get tired of holding on to what is good so you can grab a hold to what is great. great gains out of hard losses and this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed there's people in this room who need to gain forgiveness don't have to work for it it's not what I'm saying but you need forgiveness for your sins you need to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, even as I've been preaching, even from the beginning through worship, there are people in here, even in worship, something began to move on your heart and you begin to feel something. Even before the sermon ever started, worship began to touch your heart in an unusual way. You've been coming to service, but something hits you different today. And the Holy Spirit began working on you earlier. And this moment is the moment to solidify the work that He's only began in your heart throughout this whole service.
because there's some and I would even say many you settle for religion just doing the church stuff coming in and coming out religion the activities but you know you're not in a relationship with him he's been Christ has been compartmentalized in your life to your Sunday duty not your daily devotion and this is a time that you say you know what I'm done playing God games I'm done playing church. I'm done going through religious mode. It's time for me to enter into relationship. It's time for me to get serious with Jesus. Too much is at stake. For a man, a father, a husband, you got that wife and those children to lead, that house to lead. Businessman, a lot is at stake. Mom, wife, too much weigh in the balance. For us to play, I feel a burden in this service. Play God games and go and just do in church. But God is calling people this morning. He's drawing people saying it's time for a real relationship. It's time to really enter into a real walk with me. And there are some that need to surrender your life for the very first time. And you know it, you feel his touch. But you got to be willing to lose your life to gain his. You got to be willing to lay down some things so that you can, you know, the Bible said, deny yourself, watch this, and take up your cross. I'm going to put self down and take up my eternal security through Jesus Christ. But he only comes where he's invited. And I believe that as you come this morning, those under the sound of my voice, not only is there power in Jesus' name to save this morning, there's power to throw some things over a board. I believe that people are going to throw overboard some addictions this morning. People are going to throw overboard some anxiety and depression that's been plaguing you in your mind this morning. But you got to be willing to surrender. Come under so he can lift you over. If you're in this room and say, Javon, you're talking to me. I'm done playing religious church games I'm ready for relationship I'm ready to truly surrender my life to Jesus Christ I never did it but I'm going to do it this morning because he's calling me I need that power to overthrow things in my life pray for me if that's you and you know I'm talking to you and you feel the touch the tug of the Lord right where you're standing as quick as you can I want you to throw your hand up now raise it up now no one there's a hand there's a hand there's a hand that's it and another and another raise it up high and another come on raise it up high I see those hands over there raise it up anybody else anybody else what about in the balcony anybody up there raise them up anybody else anybody else yes yes I see those hands back there I see those hands back there absolutely absolutely watch this I'm on a count to three and when I count to three, this place is going to erupt and they're going to celebrate because they know what you're about to do. Many of them, they're going to celebrate. They did what you're about to do. You're going to slip out of that aisle. You're going to walk as quickly as you can. And you're going to fill, that altar, fill this altar. And we're going to have a prayer team that's down here that's ready to receive you. But God is about to bring great gains out of the hard losses in your life. Are you ready? Come on. Come on. One, if you mean business. On the count of three. Two, if you know this is for you. And three, if that's you, get out of your seat. Come right now to this altar. Come on. Come from wherever you are. Come on. Come on. They're going to celebrate you. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's it. Come. 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 That's it. Come on, Free Chapel. Keep celebrating. Keep celebrating as they come. 
keep praising as they come. Come on, there's more that's coming. Come on, Dad. Come on, Mom. Come on. Come on. There's some teenagers that need to come this morning. You know that God's been tugging in your heart. Don't just sit through this service. Don't just sit back and say, I'll wait till next Sunday. I'll, I'll wait till Wednesday night. Today is the day. Now is the time. Now is the moment for salvation. Come on. That's it. Come. Come. Come on. Come to Jesus. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Right now, I want our campus pastors to take over your altar services and lead them in your services. Lead the people that are coming. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, I normally don't do this unless I feel led, and this is a moment I do. I feel like that there are still people that you know without a shadow of a doubt you're fighting it in your mind the enemy is trying to hold you back there's a wrestling match even right now in your head whether or not to go whether or not to go for somebody there's some people in here the only reason why you're not responding because you're worried about what people are going to think about you and those that are around you it's time to quit worrying about an image and it's time to come for identity and I don't know who I'm talking to but I feel that there's other people you know you need to get in this altar don't miss this opportunity so I'm going to ask you one more time if you would say Javon you're talking to me I know I need to get down there and because you asked again and because you can pay I knew this is my confirmation to come. Get out of that seat and come on. Come on, come to Jesus. God bless you, ma'am. Come on, come on. Come on, God bless you, sir. God bless you, young lady. Come on. Who else needs to come? Come on, that's it. Come on, sir. This is what it's all about. Come on, more are coming. Come on, lift your hands up. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's it. Come on. There are more coming. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm waiting because people are still walking. I'm waiting because people are still walking. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. what it's all about right here I said this is what it's all about right here why do we do what we do why do we need expand more campuses why do we keep reaching people why do we do because of this right here souls every one of you that came down the people that are standing with you they're going to join you in this prayer simple prayer Jesus Christ is going to hear the cry of your heart. Repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life. 
I lose it today. And I lay it down so that I can gain yours. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died and rose again, and the blood you shed cleanses me from all of my sins. And today, I receive you as my Lord. I am a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. I am forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, amen. Now, listen to me. We're going to be dismissing just a moment. But listen, the decision that you made today, it's the beginning, okay? This is where it all starts. But, but what it means to be a Christian in relationship is you got to get in community. You got to get planted in the house of God. If you don't have a church, you got one now. Welcome to Free Chapel. Welcome to our family. But the goal, you got to get planted. You got to get connected. And so our team will tell you how to get involved in next steps. We have small groups that you can get connected to. That's where you can grow. We have a school of discipleship that you can get involved in. Also, second week, you can still jump in if you want. But it's an opportunity for you to get connected and establish relationship and community so you can grow. This is the beginning. But the Bible said that he who begins a good work in you will perform it and complete it. Because there are great gains that are coming to all of your lives. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. We're going to be praying for you. and God's going to do great things. But listen, before we're dismissed, next Sunday, Pastor Franklin is going to be right back here, live preaching here, and the 9 and the 11, 11 o'clock service, and also he'll be at Midtown next Sunday night, also with Matt Powell is going to be there, they said in our announcements, and it's going to be an awesome day, it's going to be powerful, and you don't want to miss that, and listen, I have the privilege, I'm going to be going down this evening, and I've been given the opportunity to preach at Midtown this evening, and would love for as many as you that would to come down and join us we're going to have an amazing time God's going to do great things down there but we love you and don't forget next Sunday it's going to be powerful may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord be gracious unto you may the Lord lift his countenance upon you and may the Lord give you peace God bless you we love you